M-I-C-A-H Beats Welcome, welcome, welcome to Just Therapy, where we talk about life with a comedy twist, with your host, comedian Sean Boyd, Antonio Ferguson, and Miss KT. We talk about a whole bunch of shit from politics to people actually taking shits. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the therapy session. Man, this be dope. Make a motherfucker want to rap. I can't rap, man. Hold on, here we go. I can't rap. I really can't. But come sit down on the couch with us. Man, I can't rap. Come to the couch. Enjoy the show. Let's go. We up. We up. We up. Just another day. On the couch, talking about all the problems of today. Welcome back to another episode of Just Therapy. I am your host, comedian Sean Boyd, and it's a beautiful Monday evening. And I'm gonna hit the table. It's coming. It's... We all won the day. Let's go. Glad to be back after the holiday day off. Last week, we wasn't here. If you didn't notice, we probably did. Uh, we took the day off for uh, Labor Day. Labor Day. That's what it was. I don't want to say Memorial Day, but it was Labor Day. Hey, hey. But we are back in the building. Miss KT uh, will be on shortly uh, today, I think. Uh, but <laughs> Timba 2 is on the ones and twos, as always. Timmy, what's good, baby? Not much, man. Just chilling. Had a nice little four-day weekend. I took off. I said, God damn a job. I ain't coming in today. And they was like, all right. Oh, today? <laughs> oh, you took today off. I took Friday off and uh today off. Uh, I mean, I used to put PTO in, so they knew, you know, I was I wasn't gonna be there. Oh, okay. But, all right. Yeah, it was amazing. This feel like the longest weekend, and I'm happy. Well, I mean, you have four days, so that is a long ass fucking weekend. Yes. Yeah, it was That's great. a long weekend. That's all. Uh, very uh, positive, yeah. very soothing. I was still working, so I can't really say. You were still working <laughs> here, here, oh. and, and Rascal House. Boo! <laughs> Miss KT in the chat talking about hey, y'all, she'll be here shortly. She might not have her camera on there. Uh, but we do have a special guest in the building, and I'm excited. I'm always excited. Oh, big shout out to our guest that we had last time, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Jenny Boyer. Genevieve. Very interesting conversation with her. Uh, big shout out to her. Uh, but we do have a guest this week, and I am interested. I'm excited. This is a good friend of mine. I've been knowing him since I started comedy, which was a long time ago. Not long, long, but long enough, motherfucker. 13 years ago, comedian, author, Michael Gersh in the building. What's going on, Big Mike? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're 13. I think I'm 27 years in. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I'm a little bit older. 
just a little bit older. So, no, thanks for having me, man. I, I appreciate it. 27. I did not know that. I started 27. in uh, 95. And now, oh, yeah, 27. Yeah, 27. Okay. I was, I was still in grad school when I started. Shit. Yeah. Did you finish grad school? I did. Oh, there you go. Well, good thing. And then I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to go into comedy next. Not the best financial plan in the whole entire world, but. Um, <laughs> hey, I, hey, I just finished grad school, but I want to be a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told him by phone. I didn't tell him when he was at graduation. Otherwise, oh, I don't think gosh. I would be alive no, if yeah, I did you that. Definitely would have got your ass beat. Yeah. Definitely, especially if he uh, helped pay for grad school. Did he help pay for grad school? Uh uh-uh, uh, no. Oh, well, he couldn't be pissed then. Yeah, right? Well, you know, yeah, you can't choices. be that pissed. That's funny. That's true. He couldn't. Right. But he, but he was good. He always wanted me to do what I wanted to do. So at least I had that type of support. Well, that's good. At least he ex- supported you that way. I see uh, Neil Griffin in the building. What's going on with you, Neil? He said, LOL, bad idea. <laughs> Oh, man, we go do the show a little different. We all usually get straight into the guests, but we go turn, we go do it a little different because uh, our guest is, like I said, is very interesting. Um, I've been looking forward to this. We're going to talk about, we're going to dive deep in this book. But but first, before we do that, uh, Leah T, what's going on? Thanks for checking in with us on YouTube. Is that YouTube? Is that a YouTube thing? Yeah. Okay. On YouTube. Thank you. Um. But before we do that, we're going to dive into the beginning of the show uh, with like a recap and all that good shit. But uh, before I do that, I want to give a big shout out. Happy birthday to my cousin, Nettie. Yeah, she just had her birthday Saturday, I think it was Saturday or yesterday. I can't remember. But when I seen it, uh, I text her and put it on Facebook. So um, I didn't just put it on Facebook since I actually talk to her you know what i'm saying but uh happy birthday and i gotta give a r.i.p to nope not who you think i am but comedian david a arnold definitely gotta uh send a r.i.p and send in prayers and healing energy to his family he was uh originally from cleveland he was in the business for about 32 years and finally kind of got his big break here recently um he had his second netflix special that came out here recently and he did another uh netflix special right before that so like the last one or two years is when uh he kind of got his break and got um his netflix special and he died in his sleep 54 age 54 passed away i just read about that right right yeah Yeah, david Uh a arnold from cleveland i never met him uh unfortunately but um i did um I, I did like his story because on his last Netflix special, uh, before that even came out, he was on uh, a podcast I listened to, uh, Comedy Gold Mines with um, Kevin Hart. Okay, and uh, they of course promoted that Netflix special, but just to hear his story on there and just to hear his background um, and how he got started and how he just kept grinding and grinding and grinding, and and then watching his special. What I liked about it the most was um, he shot both of them in Cleveland. That's not what I liked about it the most. It's just his um, conviction to the game of comedy mm-hmm. and then seeing his background him talking about his wife and talking about his two daughters. And then they, you know, interviewed them as well in the uh, Netflix special. And then uh, his mom and then his stepdad, 
um just that interaction and that interview it just it it, it, it was good it was like heartfelt you know what i'm saying and then watching yeah, the awesome. stand up it was like damn he he is pretty funny so um definitely the comedy game lost a a, a good og in the game right. and a good dude in the game so definitely sending uh prayers and healing energy out to uh his family definitely and all his friends and everything like that uh neil said uh world series of comedy is starting oh okay i'm watching you because we were one uh of the coolest funniest people there last year oh thank you sir appreciate you neil yeah i met him at the world series of comedy last year in vegas um and very good dude and uh kt bring her in kt is in the building She's only gonna do audio only, which is cool. What's up, SB? What up? What up? Was just uh saying RIP to David A. Arnold, comedian out of Cleveland. Uh, just had his second Netflix special here uh, a couple months ago, just debut. So, he was just talking about that um, before we got into the recap. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we've been gone for a little bit. I mean, like two weeks, but uh. The weekend, uh, the Labor Day weekend was pretty cool. I needed a getaway, and I went up to Detroit to play in a miss tournament, a softball tournament, awesome. which was like an alternative tournament. Uh, I used the quotation marks because, you know, it was some teams up there uh, stacking a team. It wasn't playing by the original rules of miss, but it didn't matter. Uh, we had a blast, had a good time. We started in the lowest division, uh, went 3-0, then got bumped up to the middle division, and then beat the team there. Uh, and then we were uh, had to play the game for the king seat, lost to a team that literally sandbagged that Saturday because they were good as fuck. Uh, <laughs> and we took literally a co-ed team, like six girls, six guys, and we batted 12 and played our ass off. This team had three girls, um, only had three girls. Uh, none of their guys was alternative, which, you know, if you go have mostly men, but that's besides the point. We beat an all men's team that we know from Cleveland, so that was cool. So, but we had a, we had a blast. We ended up coming in second overall, but um, we lost to them in the King Seat game, so we would have had to double dip them. And even if we had beat them once, I don't think we could have beat them twice. Like they were that fucking good. But really? we, like I said, we had a good time, uh, a lot of laughs, a lot of memories because you know that's that's all we got now, man. Um, so that was my Labor Day this weekend. It was super chill, super. Low key with little mama, man. We just watched some movies, trolls, Moana, and uh jumped on the trampoline, man. Just chill. That was it. That was did you jump while too. you were watching the movies too? No. Oh. <laughs> and I actually didn't jump. My knee been hurting. So I, I sit there and play uh with her while she jumped. And uh we got uh a big beach ball, and then I brought back a little beach ball from the miss tournament. Uh, and then it's got like a basketball hoop on there. So I'll be shooting on that shit sitting down. But um, so we play catch with the beach ball and she run back and forth and try to make me hit her. Um, and she'd be like, oh, you missed. And she cracks me up because she'd be laughing when I hit her in the head with that beach ball. Because <laughs> I'd be tagging her ass like, wow. You know, and she just crack up laughing. So, so that was my weekend. Miss KT, how the fuck are you? How are you doing? Uh, I am doing great in spirit, but my body is so tired. <laughs> Today was my first day back to work after surgery. How'd so, it go? You know how you be exhausted, but don't even know you exhausted. So mm -hmm. I took a couple of Tylenol because I had a headache. 
because unfortunately a headache is, you know, one of the side effects of the sinus surgery. And next thing I know, I was out and then I woke up like, oh, shoot, the podcast about to start. <laughs> <laughs> that inner clock was like, wake your ass up. Right. Right on time, though, for real. It was like 649. Like, hey, what you doing? What, I, just, I want you got something to do. <laughs> That's what's up. How was the first day uh, back at school? So you did you miss a whole week? I missed two or, whole weeks. Well, really, I missed three whole weeks, a week of good. professional development and then two mm-hmm. weeks of school with the kids. So um, it was a little awkward because they have, a you know, a couple procedures and things in place of, you know, that I don't do, but it was really easy. Today was just a letting them get to know me kind of day and me getting to know them kind of day, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is always nice. And um right. I teach eighth graders. So, you know, I didn't teach these kids before, but they've seen me. So they know me well enough to know just be Not cool. Fuck with you know, so. yeah, okay. <laughs> so it, was like, it was basically like, all right, I'm your teacher. Uh, I'll beat your ass. I'll fuck a kid up. What's your name? What's your name? Okay. What's your name? All right, good. <laughs> Today wasn't even like that, except for in one situation. I told a girl, like, hey, normally, I will snatch a kid up for that, but I'm a little tired and weak, so I'm gonna let you have that in the day. Just don't try it in the future. Because that's my normal me, don't let kids slide with stuff like that. Right, exactly. That's and I told her, I said, You must be new. I said, You didn't go here last year, did you? She said, No. I said, It's okay. We're we gonna get you together. <laughs> I'm gonna let you slide on this one, but next one, I'm <laughs> Yeah, don't 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 think it's gonna be a slide all the time. I don't do that. I don't got no slides in me like that. That's hilarious. Say the only slides you got is the one on your feet. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was really nice. You know, kids make you feel welcome and loved, and you know, they all like, oh my gosh, we missed you. We couldn't wait to see you. You know, all of that stuff. So it right. was good. Yeah, because a lot of the kids already know you. Yeah, you know, because they were uh, in seventh grade last year, so a lot of them was looking forward to having me and was looking for, you know, so they they were excited for me to be back. That's what's up. We're excited to have you back, Miss Katie. Well, thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. I'm I'm not going to say nothing to that. I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. You got one slide in you today? Yeah, I mean, I I got my slides on, so, you know. So we get one more then. Yeah, hey, you got it. Hey, he definitely got on two, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, what about the holiday weekend? You want to talk about that or you just want to keep it moving? Um, I didn't do anything at all. I couldn't hardly move. I've been down for a long, you know, so not a lot going on. I do want to shout out my son, Darian, a.k.a. Baby. Hey. They are getting smacked in football, but he oh has had God, 15 man. tackles so far this season. So. Two games, too. That's dope. Yeah. He doing his job, but they getting their ass beat. Well, no. I mean, they, wait, wait, they won the first game. Yeah, they won the first one. Yeah, and then they lost. They the just lost to, you know, MSU 52 yeah. to zero. So it just was. A- <laughs> And it's not like it wasn't expected, but it still hurt, you know? Oh, it, it definitely hurt. It was expected. Uh, I mean, it's a big team school, so big team schools should definitely smack a Mac school. But I didn't think – I thought they would at least score, but then the quarterback got hurt, so I was like, eh. Yeah, he, and he got hurt early, and, mm-hmm. you know, 
our offense is still struggling, gelling anyway. So it right. just yeah, it was a lot. But uh, baby definitely looked good out there. I watched the game, but then I had to turn it off. They was getting their ass beat. I was like, oh, I can't even stomach it no more. So yeah, but I watched to the end of the third quarter, and because I feel like my mother's love had to carry me through that far. But that's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> my mother's love only goes so far. <laughs> but I was really upset because I wanted to go to the game. I, know, I, I knew I was too tired and didn't have it in me, and I didn't want to make that drive by myself. Right. And so I just was like, you don't need to go. And then, yeah. you know. So, because I, I, I seen your post, um, and then that's when I texted you and was like, hey, what number is baby? Because I'm about to watch the game. So, but, uh, but yeah. So that, that was, uh, was that just, just past weekend or the weekend? Yeah, that was Saturday. Yeah, that was Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't about to drive to Michigan State, so I wasn't volunteering myself. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm not taking little mama all the way up there. And then she'd be like, uh, I'm ready to go, daddy. <laughs> I know that's how kids be, too. <laughs> right. She'd have been ready to go real fast. So I was like, yeah, no, nah, maybe next time. Yep. So, uh, Gersh, how was your uh, your weekend, man? Weekend was good, man. I had to uh, talk about football. I, you know, I'm from Miami, Florida, so my Hurricanes won and my Dolphins won. I saw your Browns won. Weekend was good. Barely. It, was, it was relaxing. Look, it's football season now, so it's uh, it's nice to sit back and to watch some games finally. Yeah, and, uh, and do that and enjoy some outdoor weather before the games, and then there you go, and then do it. But yeah, it's pretty relaxing, and you know, football season's back. You got 17 weeks of swearing at the TV. It's it's kind of nice. <laughs> Shit, you, you know. <laughs> so it's 17 uh, weeks now, ain't it? Yeah, 17. Yeah, right? said yeah. 17. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was definitely cussing the TV out yesterday. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, when they made the field goal, I was already standing, and I was like, "Motherfucker, that's what I'm talking about." Yeah. So, so Mondays are nice in the two things. Hell yeah. Which I, ha- hasn't happened for the Browns what 17 years? Um, as far as winning an opening game uh, away, yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been that long. I figured out a way not to let it ruin my Sundays anymore. So I'm good. That's all right. I would have been pissed. And and it's funny because I was like, this one might ruin my Sunday if they lose this one just because of the bitch ass quarterback that was on the other team. So but Listen, they won. like everybody had a just beat Baker yeah. type of mentality. Like pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we do that now. We're done. We done. <laughs> <laughs> now you season was a success. Now everybody's happy. Lose the rest now is what you want. No, hell no. I don't, I don't. I don't want that because I mean we got some key. We got some key components, and we got a good team. So it's like, all right. But we just had to win that game. It yeah. was a game that had to win. And then I mean we can beat Pittsburgh twice. I mean they got a shitty team now. So, um. So yeah, we good. It'd be all right. All right. Uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, one childhood memory. Uh, the childhood memory I'm gonna bring up is uh how uh active i was as a kid playing all the sports but uh one memory that stuck out to me here the other day i was thinking about was uh my baseball time uh i played a lot of baseball but i'll give y'all one quick one uh this is when i made the traveling team for i want to say 14 and up 14 15 i think i don't remember uh, but I was one of the starters. I played third base and was like a backup pitcher and everything. And third base is the hot spot, like hot corner, right? And we were playing an out-of-town team. 
uh, at a neutral facility, one of the R's, uh, and the game was close as shit. We was like uh, winning, then like the pitcher was giving up shit. Uh, but I was shutting shutting down third. Had like I ended up batting like I think I went three for four in that game. So I like, had a great all around game. Uh, but it was a play. I think I think that it was bases loaded. Yeah, it was bases loaded. It was bases loaded, and they already said make sure you throw it home uh, to get the home. You know, to get the out at home. But me being me, because we only had like one out, it was more like be realistic. The ball <laughs> came to me hot as shit on a grounder. So I caught it, stepped on third, threw home and hit the dude. So he ended up scoring and we lost because of that. Where did you hit him? I hit, I hit, I think I hit him in like the back of the, like the neck area. Oh, like it was a good throw, but he was standing up and didn't slide. Uh, which he should have yeah. slid. If he would have slid, he would have been out. Right. But he uh, stood up. So I had him like in the back shoulder blade area. And we ended up losing the game uh, because instead of just throwing home first, because the angle I had, if I would have just you know caught it, throw it home, then the catcher could have just stepped on the plate and then threw right. it somewhere else. But I'm like, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Like your instinct as a baseball player, you go for the double play. I'm close enough to the bag where I can get it. Hit the bag. That's one out. Throw the ball home. All they got to do is tag him, but I hit him because it was a good throw, and we lost. And I was so mad because I was so competitive. I started crying because we lost. Yeah, that would do it. Yeah, I was pissed. There was no participation trophies back then, right? It was no. win or nothing, man. No, it was win, win, it was win, it was win or nothing. It was yeah, definitely yeah. No nothing. ice cream, no sprinkles. You might have got a second place trophy, but it was you. You didn't want the second place trophy because right. you made it that far. But one of the coaches, um, Mr. Doddale, I remember him taking me to the side. He was like, "Look, I know what we said to do, and you did the right play, but." Don't cry about it. I'm like, dude, I'm pissed. I fucked up the game. I lost. And he was like, but you can't let him see you cry. And I'm like, man, fuck that. I'm pissed. Like, it's emotional. <laughs> right, right. So that is my one childhood <laughs> memory for this week. Miss KT, you want to give us a childhood memory? First of all, I just want to say that you have such an immaculate memory. I was thinking about this last week. Like we've been doing this show for over a year. Like so you that means you've shared over 50 childhood memories. Like how many memories of childhood do you expect somebody to have? I got a lot. Hey, you, you can Listen, you be going into such detail and I'll be struggling. Like, like did I tell this? I don't remember, you know, like it, it's not a fun thing for me. And you never lose this the beginning either. That's the funny part. And yeah, I didn't share a lot of childhood memories. Yes, like you have so many memories in detail. <laughs> All right, just give me a good memory. Fuck it. Yeah, so I don't know if I shared this or not, but I was talking about this on Facebook, so I'm going to share it again or for the first time. Who knows? I can't keep up. But when I was like 12 or 13, um, so we lived in a project, so we always went places in groups. And so it's probably a group of about eight to 10 of us, and we're walking from like a park or another neighborhood, or I don't know. And we see the Nichols Bakery, and by we, I mean me, right? And I see that there's a window open. Oh, yeah. And so 
I whispered to a friend like, hey, that window's open at the bakery. So I knew what this meant, right? Like I knew this meant we were going to break into the bakery. Right? <laughs> break in or just uh, go in the open window? And so go in the open window. There you go. So at my assumption, right? Because I come from a very strict, don't play no games, mom, but also a very, you know, like realistic, I can get away with a little bit of stuff type of background. Yeah. I'm a if you don't get caught. Kid. Yeah. But so, uh, but I'm a little naive about a lot of stuff. So I thought, yes, climb in the window, still a few bakery snacks, go on about our day, right? That is not what happened. It ended up being like a full breaking and entering that I hope there's no step. I hope sexual limitations is up. (laughs) I mean, these people went into the back office they took computers it was like all kind of like electronics and like it was so much stuff and now i'm like i don't even want these snacks so i dropped my stuff because i don't even want to be a part of this like what is y'all doing oh shit! you got to take the snacks you put your fingerprints on already though no 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 i threw them like we were outside because i took i took off running before everybody else and i see them grab like i'm like i can't be a part of this this is ridiculous and so I started like dropping snacks and it was just the weirdest thing. And then we all went to a friend's house whose mom wasn't home. And we ended up like having a snack war in the basement. And it was like cream puff stuff thrown against the wall. Like it was like the worst thing imaginable. And I can't believe, I feel like, I, I mean, I started it all because my nosy self seen that the window, the window was open. Yeah. So what about when uh, the, the kid's mom came home? I don't know. I listen. I don't know if I blocked it out. I don't remember what happened. All I know is I don't remember ever going to that friend's house again. I don't. I've never seen the basement. We've never. I've never had to clean it up. I don't know what. Like, I don't know. Shit. And I'm like, was the police looking for us? Was this like an all and out? Like, was I don't know. I just feel like it ruined my life, and I made such a horrible choice. And I'm so glad it didn't come down on me how it could have. Because like, what if I got like a break in the inner in charge or something stupid oh, yeah. at twelve for being yeah. a knucklehead? Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's hilarious. The funny part about that whole story is, you know, my memory is good, so that's why I was like, "What? What the? What the parents say when they came home?" Because <laughs> I mean, I would assume, you know, they would want to kill somebody. I don't know. I don't remember that 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 back over there. Huh? I said that's why you ain't ever go back over there because. When the mom came home. I mean, most moms would have beat you and made you clean up. Like, get this <laughs> off my walls. You know, but I don't know. I don't remember none of that. Oh, shit. That's hilarious. Gersh, give me a childhood memory, brother. I remember one summer I was playing baseball and I was about to score and some asshole hit me in the back with a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> it landed right on your neck, didn't it? <laughs> right in the small of the back. Yeah, our team won, but you know, I still have a bruise and uh, nightmares about that shit. I love it. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to football. In 1984, um, my swim team was working in the Orange Bowl. So we were trying to pay for a trip to go to um, Europe. Mm-hmm. It was a fundraiser. And uh, it was the year of second year of Dan Marino. So we worked in the concession stands, which was nasty and gross. You know, you go in there. There's rats in the back. Damn. It's just, it's just nasty mud. You know, the Orange Bowl is classic. 
Yeah. And uh I, I had rats in that bitch. Oh yeah, my dad would you know you 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 uh pull out the grill yeah. in the back to see you know see the rat traps and stuff, make sure there's nothing in there. Oh fuck. Um it was just gross. I mean, you would have to take like eight showers after you're done working for a wow. day. Wow. And you know, I was what 13, I was like 14 years old, you uh-huh. know, doing that. Great memories because after the games, we could go and see the games and so forth. But of course, I'm working the cast register up front and right. And you know, every I was the only you know the person who knew how to change the CO2 right in the middle of halftime. And you know, the CO2 thing weighed more than I did, and who's, right. they're going to choose me to do it, which was, <laughs> was part of it. But also, after the game, you know, you could go down and wait for the players to come out. Mm-hmm. And Dan Marino came out, and I'm holding his Miller Lite beer as a 14 year old as he's signing autographs for everyone else. And oh, he gave you his beer to yeah, hold. Yeah, he oh, gave me, shit. He okay. gave me his Miller Lite beer to hold. Yeah. You know, not like the Joe Theismann uh, commercial over here, kid, hold my Coke. Right. He gave me his beer to hold on to. Here, hold my beer, yeah. fucker. Yeah, and, and he gave me his, like, tape that he wore and stuff. But, you know, it was just really cool to be hanging out with the Dolphins afterwards yeah. and looking up to him, you know, for that because he was such an icon. So, you know, and yeah, it was just you – know, well, there are some team, you know, there's lots of childhood memories of, of that, of, of something as we talked about beforehand yeah. over both summers. But, um, yeah, that's just a really cool part to be part of that history of, you know, working the Orange Bowl, seeing some awesome games, but then having those, you know, autographs from your favorite players nice. as a kid. So you got a Dan Marino autograph? I do. I have a 1984 yearbook signed by a whole bunch of players, and Marino's one of them. Nice. Yeah. One of the be- – the best Miami Dolphin right. quarterback, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If not the best, you know, probably the best quarterback to never win win a ring. Wow! Right? Is always what they say. That's a that's a dope yeah. memory. That's yep. a dope memory. It not, was it was fun. <laughs> you made you me know, think so. They would go. They would go. Those also send me around the stadium with like four hundred dollars worth of singles just to go get change. And I'm walking back with like the change bags. I'm like, I'm a little kid. Yeah, I'm gonna get mugged. It never <laughs> happened. Nothing like that. No one worried about my safety or nothing. They just, you know, wow. Who can we send? Who's the smallest idiot that could go over across the stadium <laughs> and walk back? Not oh, the smallest idiot. Yeah, let's pick Michael. That's good. That's hilarious. But yeah, I was just. Well, I mean, my childhood revolves around swimming. A lot of you know, a lot of uh, you know, time in the water. Mm-hmm. But that was you know, as we were talking about football and swimming, I go yeah, that Marino one sticks out because I never. Forgot about that moment. Nice. That's what's up. All right. And as always, we like to give flowers to people while they're still here. Instead of being conditioned like we uh, so much are to give flowers to people while they're dead and gone, we like to give flowers to people while they're here so they can smell the roses. Uh, Miss KT, you got uh, who you want to give flowers to? Where you want me to go? Um, I'll go. I didn't tag them yet. But oh, okay. Um, so I am going to give my flowers to Ashley T. While I was down and out and wasn't feeling good, she was very encouraging. She was checking on me, making sure you know I was doing okay. And then she sent me some flowers to brighten my day. And so I really appreciated that because recovering is very difficult and it's boring. And, you know, I don't want too many people over because, you know, I don't want any germs and got the lights all disinfect every time the door opens and my nose was so sensitive and I was in so much, you know, it just was so much, but I definitely appreciated her sending me flowers 
and always checking on me and praying for me and making sure I'm okay. So Ashley T, you're getting your flowers today. Hey, that's what's up. Getting your flowers. Uh, Gersh, you want to give some flowers out? Sure do. So the woman that raised me, we talked about this in the book a little bit later on in the story. She raised me and my brother as her own flesh and blood. She'll be 91 on Saturday. Oh, nice. So she gets some birthday flowers coming on up. Hey. Her name is Dolly. Yep. Okay. Just Dolly? That's it? Oh, Dolly Morse. Oh, okay. Just, <laughs> no. There's no need for last name. You know, okay. I mean, her, yeah, I she's not the, watching, so. Yeah. When I was writing the book, she's like, leave my name out of it. I'm like, what? Do I still embarrass you for crying out loud? So, <laughs> yeah. She'll be, she'll be a young 91 years old on Saturday. Nice. That's what's up. Well, happy birthday and you getting your flowers. Yeah. Uh, my flowers this week is going to go to our guest, Michael Gersh. Uh, so the reason, right. reason I'm giving you your flowers is I can't remember if it was after my dad or my mom. I think it, I can't remember because like I wasn't going to the funny stop. Uh, I want to say it was after my mom. But and then I showed up at the funny stop and then you happened to be there and you went out of your way to, you know, have a conversation with me about, you know, losing parents and yeah. stuff like that. And the encouraging words you gave me was like so dope and so needed at the time. Uh, that, that was just something that really, really touched me. I don't even know if you know, but it really touched me. And you was like, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard. I can't say it's going to get easier, right. but it's definitely going to be hard, but you'll get through it. You know, just keep pushing it, keep remembering the good memories. And uh, that stuck with me. And so when people um, lose people, I always say, hey, I, I can't sit here and lie and say it's going to get easier because it's not, you know, it's just going to get more manageable. So I definitely, definitely appreciate the words, uh, the kind words you gave me on that oh, day, thanks, man, because I really needed that shit. So you're getting your flowers today. All Mr. right. Gersh. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. What's up, Rose? Checking in. She said, very kind. Mike, give her 91 roses. <laughs> All right, and this is the time I'm excited about. We're going to get into our guests since we got past our uh, most of our uh, stuff that we usually do uh, after the guests. So, uh, Mike, you're our comedian and author. Uh, you spoke earlier about how long you've been doing comedy, but uh, tell everybody again, how long you've been in comedy game? I've been in comedy since January 20th, 1995. 95. Oh, yeah, oh, February. Okay. February, yeah. I, was in, mm -hmm. I started in grad school. Well, the very first time I ever did it, I was still in high school in Miami. Okay. Uh, I did magic growing up, and I always knew I wanted to be a comedian. You know, it was just one of the things I was really good at. And humor played a huge part of my life, probably much like yours as a kid. And uh, I was uh, in class with Lucy Beebe, who, booked the, who books the comedians. And oh, uh, I go, I have to talk to you. And after class, I go, this is what I want to do. So she hooked me up with the, the five-minute you know, open mic night that they did on Mondays back then, the old okay. hilarities. Okay. And then, um, yeah, it was February 20th, 1995. I still have the cassette tape, you know, of, of it. I haven't listened to it. Okay. Um, I know there's a bunch of fart jokes on there, and I went, and then I realized everyone did fart jokes. So I went, well, I can't do that shit anymore. Um, <laughs> and uh, then I got a call back. You know, I won that night, whatever it was. Uh -huh. And then uh, the second time I had to do it, my group, I had a group project to do. And my group was supposed to go first, no, last. Mm -hmm. And I would have missed my spot. And I talked to the professor. I go, hey, I have a, a five-minute stand-up thing to do at the club. Can our group go first? Mm -hmm. So I could head out there. He goes, yeah, sure. 
So that tells you where my priority was right. in my last semester in grad school. Wow. It was not focused in grad school. It was right. focused on pursuing that dream. And yeah. then and then six months later, I was working with uh, L.A. Hardy and uh, six Milo. months later, six months later, I was I was emceeing at the uh -huh. club yeah. uh, with uh, Milo Tremley and uh, L.A. Hardy and L.A. Hardy. That's my guy yeah. right there, man. That that man just uh, one of my first uh, paid hosting gigs was for L.A. Hardy uh, at Toledo at uh, Comedy Connection. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. L.A. is great, man. Good I man. That's a good dude. Me and him still keep in contact yep. to this day. Real good dude. Real good dude. Funny as shit, too. Yeah, he would take me on the road sometimes to nice. open for him. And, nice. uh, yeah, he's down in Florida now and yeah, uh, yeah, living, still performing a lot, man. He's, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, living the dream. So that's when I started to do it. Yeah. Okay. What made you get into comedy, though? It was just a passion, something I always wanted to do as a kid. That was it. I mean, my 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 dreams as a kid was being Spider Man, James Bond, a member of Kiss, or a comedian. And, okay. and that was about it, you know. And so you the, went with the last one instead. Yeah, of I went with the last three. one. Yeah, you know, Spider Man. You know, it was a, like, the science wasn't ready for Spider Man, <laughs> and uh, Gene and Paul weren't calling me for a member of Kiss either. Oh shit! And I wasn't I wasn't British, so I couldn't be James Bond. So nope. it was really process of elimination. That's hilarious. But growing up, and you watch, you know, it was you know the, all those um, icons: Bill Cosby, yeah. you know Richard Pryor, Williams, you know Seinfeld, early days. And yeah. Both. I always could do that. And as a kid, when I was doing magic, I was, it was comedy magic, Harry Anderson. I, when I got to work with her and him years later, mm. it was awesome. And um, it was just something, yeah, you always wanted to do. And, you know, as we tell people that want to get into comedy, just do it once. You don't have to keep doing it, but I don't want to be my deathbed and go, man, I wish I did comedy. Right. You know, and then I don't uh, think I've ever told anybody to just do it once. Yeah. I just say, just get on stage. Just try it. Yeah, just, just do, do it. it. Yeah. I mean, even if it's one time, yeah. you can say you did it, right? Yeah, Because we, we all meet people who go, my friends tell me I'm funny. I could do it. All right. Okay. Get on stage. It's a little bit different. Get yeah. on stage get and on let's stage. do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it was just a drug, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you keep at it. And I love the creative process of doing it. Yeah. Like magic, you can go to the magic store, buy the trick and, and do it. Right. But comedy, you it's your own material, yeah. you know, whether it works or not. Yep. But when it works, man, there's nothing better in the world. Nothing better, nothing better than uh, than that. Yeah, you speak a drug, um, because that was definitely my drug of choice. Because when I started comedy, I was still smoking weed. Um, but I would always post on Facebook, "I'm about to go do drugs," and I remember somebody uh, chimed in and was like, "Why are you promoting drugs on Facebook?" <laughs> and then. Before I can even say anything, somebody else was like, uh, if you pay attention to his post, he's talking about doing comedy. That's his drug of choice. Like, stop being so fucking asinine and stupid and pay attention if you go chime in on any of his posts. Like, but uh, yeah, that's definitely my drug of choice and I still love it. And it's nothing like that high you can get on that stage, man. Yeah, that's yep. right. The worst is. When a bomb jokes, uh, when a, when a joke bombs, and only people laughing at your friends with the other comedians in the back of the room, right? Because we've all been there, yeah. And then that walk off stage and around—that's that's the lone, that's the worst feeling. <laughs> and then we're dumb enough to go, "Let's go do it again," right? You yeah. know. But it's you know you have to have that short term memory and gotcha. kind of go, "I could do better." Mm -hmm. And uh, but yeah, man, it's um, but and also when someone comes up to you after a show and goes. Thank you for making me laugh. I yep. really needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. It's nice to get paid for it, but when you hear that, it's like, yeah, that's definitely gratifying. That's awesome. Yes, definitely, because you can change somebody's whole day, right? 
and just make them forget about what they're going through in that moment or that day and just make them laugh. Because, yeah. I mean, that's what it's about, man. I Which definitely is, love that. And, and it's hard for us because, you know, if we go through grief, you know, we have to forget yeah. what's happened to us as we walk in. Yeah. Right. And we have to yeah. make the audience forget what's going on in the outside world as entertainers. Right. And yep. if we do a good enough job and we get comments like that mm-hmm. um, afterwards and it's uh, and it's pretty cool. There's nothing right. there's nothing else like it in, in, in the world. OK, so uh, at, have you done a lot of like road gigs? Did you like hit the road and do do a lot of that or? Used to when I was a little bit younger, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you do the weekend gigs, the Friday, Saturdays, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, or mm-hmm. you know, you'd work, work locally too. Yeah. And then I realized, you know, I had student loans to pay back, and I needed a job <laughs> in healthcare. And uh, you know, the lifestyle didn't always agree with me driving all that time and getting shafted by people not getting paid, and um, you know, so those negatives I didn't like. And then I got a job, uh, Cleveland State. Mm-hmm. And I realized I could work eight to five and still do night gigs on Fridays and Saturdays, right. you know, if I had to. So that was still kind of nice. There you go. You know what to do. But yeah, I had uh, I had a lot of debt and the comedy wasn't going to get me out of it. Definitely not. <laughs> it puts me, it puts you in it, definitely. but it doesn't get you out of it. Definitely. Comedy is ne- definitely not going to get you out of debt. <laughs> definitely. In this case, you got any questions about his comedy career? Um, she might have went to the bathroom. Um, so uh, questions uh, sticking with comedy, because like I said, we we're going to get into the book you wrote. But what do you think about comedy now and present day? Like, what do you think about it? It's tough, man. I mean, you so, people get offended so easily yeah. over the little things mm-hmm. that we used to be able to talk about five, six years ago. Yeah. Now you can't do it. Everyone's on the phone recording or the post stuff. And then mm-hmm. it's so hard. I, I might have to go back to telling fart jokes. You know, soon, <laughs> you know, I mean, the weeks that I work, I like to scan the news. I'm a news junkie when it okay. comes to that, try to take topical things. But you know, right. it's hard to do that because now we're so separated and you can't one side versus the other side and you poke fun of it or whatever it else. People, mm-hmm. it, it's outrageous. So now I just try to keep something that's neutral. That Maybe it's going to happen to me or a funny story that right. all sides you get. But yeah, it's so polarizing. When you think of something funny, you go, man, can I even do that anymore? Right. And you go, right. no, I can't do that shit. So you you put it aside, even though you know it's funny. You go, man, I just don't want to, you know, pitch pitchforks after a show coming after me, right? Because I did something. That's you know? true. So that's true. You know, it's it's weird because you 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 write to make yourself laugh first, You're right? And now you have to go. Is it going to be too offensive to someone in the audience? You yeah. know, and and then and then it's a big deal. Yeah, and that sucks because you think about our heroes like Pryor or Carlin. Carlin, yep, you know, and Pryor, yeah, Pryor, and all those guys, you know, before us, and uh, never had to worry about that, mm-hmm. you know, so much like like now, right? Yeah. So, what do you think about the comedians that are making, um, like the videos, like the big name off of, like TikTok and YouTube, like they're not really common comedians, yeah. but turn into comedians. What do you think about that? Yeah, now it's all about you know likes and followers and all that yeah. stuff. And you know, you can make someone laugh for a video, you can redo a video mm-hmm. right over and over again and then post it and edit it. And but you know, once but can you be funny on stage in front of 200 strangers, right? You know, some half drunk, you know, and, and whatever else. So I think it's a different type of comedy i don't think it's near stand-up but i think it's like you know it's like a sitcom in a way after tiktok Mm -hmm. i don't i don't get tiktok so much 
Um, I'm a little bit older. I don't, I'm like, I'm not doing that shit. You know, YouTube's it. I got Facebook. I, I don't even use Twitter. Right. You know, when I started to use Twitter, I'm like, I feel like my father trying to figure out the VCR clock. I'm like, how the hell do you do this? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. So I'll just let it flash 12. And then, you know, TikTok, it's just too much. I don't have that type of time of the day. I'm, I'm, it's too hard to write jokes. Right. You know, you want to do, I'm not doing videos and, mm. and stuff. So I think it's a different brand of comedy. Okay. But I also know there's TikTok people that get hired to do stand up. Yeah. And then people come just to see the videos. I'm mm -hmm. not paying money to watch something I could do on free at mm -hmm. a club. Yeah, that's dumb. I want to be. I want to go be entertained right. live and hear those type of things. Mm -hmm. So, and then I also heard from other friends who have worked with TikTokers and how bad they are on stage. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I think that that ruins it for the audience, and I think it cheapens what we do as comedians. Right. You know, we work our asses off trying to write a joke that's going to be funny. Mm -hmm. And these people will show on their videos that they may have worked on for like three days, mm -hmm. you know, for a 10 second spot. So, true. you know, I'm a little bit more old school. I get it. But it, it, that part's just not for me. Yeah, I got you. you. Know, to do. So what? what is your take? Let me because uh, this is this was a hot topic in the uh, comedy scene. Uh, what, what is your take on T.I. doing comedy now? If he's funny, great. Mm. You know, just like um, who was doing it? Um, the wrestler. I don't know, see the wrestling stuff up here. Uh, Mitch, not Mitch. Um, Mankind. Okay. He was doing comedy for a while. You okay. Know? And I go, if anyone's funny and it works, fantastic. Yeah, that's, right. all, that's all it needs, man. Right. You know, I know, I know he has a name behind him. Yeah. But yeah, if you're good. Go ahead. Keep, yeah, go, go yeah. keep doing it. Sure. Yeah, because it was a it was a lot of comedians that was like, oh well, you know, he got the name from rapping, and now he's doing big venues, and you know, I've been in the game for such and such long, and blah blah blah. Um, I mean, if he's if he is afforded that venue, I mean, like like uh, people know the crowd will let him know, right? You know. Yeah, but that's like the same philosophy. Like Ice T got the gig on um, Law and Order because yeah. he was a rapper, but he's great in that. Well, he was an actor too, though, right? Yeah, that's he did true. New Jack. He did New yeah. Jack City, and he right. was good in that. But right. then, you know, when he, when he got to Law and Order, I mean, he did what he had to do. Yeah, you know. So, I mean, the only rapper who couldn't really do anything was uh, Vanilla Ice, not even rap. So, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll we won't we'll just leave him out of the equation altogether. But LL Cool J, you know, the same thing. Yeah, actor, transition. Actor, yeah, uh, Marky yep. Mark. He transitioned pretty well, didn't he? Right? Yeah, Mark so, Wahlberg. Yeah, don't nobody know him as Marky Mark anymore. <laughs> they only know him as Mark Wahlberg. Shit, you know, Will so. Smith. Yeah, well, yeah, Will Smith. <laughs> right? If, if you know, he was popcorn rap, but it was still rap. Did, did you read his uh, biography? I did not. It's really good. Okay. You know, I, of course, I read it before the Oscars, but uh, oh, good. Yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, so it, that's <laughs> probably why I won't read it. Now, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, good for him, man. Look, if it changed into a different career for him and he's mm -hmm. and people are entertaining and, and he's yeah. funny, yeah, not go for it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh it's, it's funny that you mentioned Will Smith, but like just hearing interviews with uh Jazzy Jeff and his interaction with uh Will Smith and him saying Will Smith said he wanted to be the biggest actor and how he turned himself in one of the yeah. biggest actors. I mean, yeah. you got to give him credit where credit's due. I mean, hell of an actor. Right. You know, he had a, a a moment of weakness, which, I mean, the apology to me was fake, but I mean, it is what it is, right. you know? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, as a comedian, you know, you look at it two, two different ways. It was like, I like both of them. And one's a good actor. Yeah. The other one's a good actor. The one's a fucking hilarious comedian. <laughs> I listened to the one soft ass rap, but like he's always been soft. Like, why are you trying to be hard now? Just be right. yourself. Like, 
Yeah, and I think what he did in the present, I mean, you look in the past, you went, well, he was still pretty good in the past, you know, those type right. of things. Like, yeah. Prince, you know, the, yeah. the TV show, uh, what was Fresh it? Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. The new one, I like the, the new spin they got on it. Oh, Never saw the new one. Oh, my gosh. It's called Bel Air. Okay. You should, you definitely, I'm waiting on season two. It was definitely because the first one was a comedy, this one's a drama. That's what I heard. What, what, uh, streaming service is it on? Uh, I don't know. I got fucking, um, <laughs> I got the fire stick. I think it's on uh I, is it Peacock? I don't know. It might them, be Peacock. Yeah, it's Peacock. I thought it was yeah, Peacock I got All it on right. the fire stick, so okay, know, whatever. Uh so I can watch, you know. Um, but it's it's definitely good. It is definitely good to see the characters in a different light as far as a drama and real life situations of today's world. Right. It's definitely good. So there's no one doing the Carlton dance at all? Uh no, not at all. Okay. Nope, not at all. Nope. Uh, and Miss KT, you back? All right. So, uh, last uh, comedy question for me. I'm here, but I don't feel the best. So. Oh, okay. All right. No, you good. Um, so, my last uh, comedy question before we get into being an author is: uh, Give me your top five comedians that are live. That are live. Wow. Yep. Um, Robin Williams. Okay. Does it have to be in any particular order? No. Okay. No. Robin Williams, okay. Pryor, Carlin, mm-hmm. uh, Seinfeld, okay. and um, Greg, I'll, I'll go with my buddy Greg Morton. You know, nice. I mean, we know a lot of guys. Yeah. Wrong button, Timmy, but it's all right. You caught it quick enough. You know, <laughs> I mean, we know a lot of guys that are hysterical that aren't like famous like that. Yeah. Right? And I probably could have named off a whole bunch more. Yeah. But easy. I'll, I'll go with those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good top five, man. That's nice. All right. So, what, what about your top five? Oh, uh, here we go. Uh, my top five, um, or who inspired me the most when I started comedy: uh, Pryor, Carlin, Red Fox, Robin Harris, and Bernie Mac. Okay. Mm-hmm. That Bernie Mac show—they're all—they're all—they're all dead and gone, <laughs> but they all had the one thing in common: they never gave a fuck about the audience. Right. They did it for the love of the game. Yeah. So when Bernie Mac died, that that was a hard one, dude. I cried. Yeah, I ain't even gonna lie. I did. I shed a tear when uh, Bernie Mac uh, passed away, and I I think I just started comedy when he passed away too, and I was like, oh man, you know. So that was passing the torch. Definitely hurt. That one definitely hurt. So I guess Harry Anderson would have been the other one if I had a six because he inspired Mm. me a lot. Right now, if we do top five alive, I mean that's different, you know. Right. Because for me, that would be uh, top five alive. Woo. Oh man, uh, Chappelle definitely be number one. Chappelle will be number one. Um, I gotta throw. See, the the crazy part about it is, I think Tony Rock's better. It's funnier than Chris Rock. Really? Yeah, his, his brother. Okay. And I'm and I'm I don't know if I'm partial because I met him actually, but I've seen his stand up, and he's fucking hilarious. But I mean, you gotta put Chris Rock in there. Sure. Um, the only reason why I put Kevin Hart in the top five alive is because his work ethic. Yeah. Not because of his stand-up. I agree with you. Because I don't yeah. like I, I don't particularly like his stand-up, but I gotta respect game where game, you know what I'm saying? I gotta respect that. Um you know what? I've never thought about this. Uh Dion Cole, I had to put him there. That's so that's four. Because Dion Cole is fucking hilarious. And then a fifth one. Oh man, I never thought about this. Um, five would be 
<sighs> Damn, it would have to be between Mike Epps or D. Ray Davis. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Who, who would your top five? Um, or five? Give me five. That five. Alive. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh Dale Jones. Okay. Uh, I'll still go with Seinfeld. I worked with Dale at Funny Seinfeld. Yeah. Before. <laughs> Great dude, just hysterical. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you sit back and and laugh. Kevin James, I thought was really good as a co- comedian. Okay. Eddie Murphy. Uh, oh, I forgot about F- Eddie. Eddie. He stopped doing comedy. Oh, like, man, he, I want him back. he hasn't been back, so it's like I can't really count him. When they teased that he might go back on tour, I was like, "Oh, please!" Just, I remember just that. Let it like go. right, right when they was bringing out um, "Coming to America" part two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how many that was, but uh, three, three. Damn it! Oh well, if you put Kevin James, I was four. Yeah, uh, and I'll go with uh, Chris Rock. Okay. Yeah. All right, Miss Casey, you feel good enough to get your top five? Um, I don't have a top five. <laughs> Give me five comics that you like that's doing it right now. Okay. Um, Dave Chappelle is my absolute favorite comedian okay. of all times. Um, Kevin Hart's pretty good. Okay. Um, What's Ashley Larry's name? <laughs> Daniel Rollins. Oh, because uh, he just did a skit that was probably one of the funniest things I've heard in okay. a long. Like it was hilarious. It was like yeah, you, said, you said he was hilarious when they was at a. It was, and it was just the the level of improv, uh-huh. you know. So um, I think he's really good. Um, I'm trying to think of some women that's pretty funny. Two more. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe some more. She's okay. Okay. Um, I'm not a Tiffany Haddish fan at all. Neither am I. Nope. Me too. Not not because uh, of the shit that just came out. I'm just not. I just wasn't a fan. I was never a big fan. Like I thought she was okay. Yeah. And the stuff that came out now made me feel like that's why you know, like you. I got you. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I love Kevin Hart's business sense and i love you know mm. the things that he does he's not funny stand up to me and he's that's really not funny in any level but he has like a a comedic sense that works in movies and stuff you know that yeah. kind of thing yeah um i don't know that's like four that'll uh, work <laughs> I, don't, I don't listen to enough comedians to have a variety no, I, I know you don't <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a big Adele Gibbons fan growing up though you know I think hey, don't, don't hold on there because Adele is definitely funny yeah Adele, Adele Gibbons is hilarious and that, you know. her and um oh the short light skin kind of heavy set uh what the fuck is her name always with Cat Williams oh why can't I think of her name right now Timmy, how Lou Nell? Lou Nell. Lou Nell is fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah, the Dial is fucking Thea. hilarious. Oh, I worked with her so many times. I worked with her too. She was great. Oh, is- I, I also like oh, Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes is funny too. Yes. Yeah, she's funny. Chancy, uh, Chancy, uh, Chelsea Handler is funny too. Yeah. I don't know who that is. You probably won't. It's okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to state the obvious and be like, oh, she's white, you know, but <laughs> I mean, 
Listen, that's not the only reason why I don't no, know. I, I, I know that. That's not the only reason. She had her own TV show, too, uh, Chelsea Lately. So, <laughs> But I, I thought she was funny, too. Uh, before we go to break, Timmy, give me your top five, man. Dead or alive. Top five that are alive. Uh, Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, um, uh, D.L. Hughley, uh, Cat Williams. Mm-hmm. One more. Eddie Griffin. Oh, Eddie Griffin is hilarious. Definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, let's go ahead and take that sponsor break. Now we'll be back with more Just Therapy and more Michael Gersh, and we're going to get into his book, The Magic of Life, a son's story of hope after tragedy, grief, and a speedo. (laughs) That is a funny title, man. <laughs> I didn't even know the speedo was on there. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about when we wore speedos as a kid. Man. <laughs> Fucking hilarious, right there. But we'll be right back to you. Please don't go nowhere. We got more just therapy coming up to you. Timmy, take us to break, baby. Ooh, wee. I love me some pizza, man. Timmy, I know you love pizza. Man, I love pizza with every fiber of my being. I know you do. And I got the best place that. Has pizza for you. What place is that? Twisted Tomato Pizzeria. They got two locations. Actually, they're about to add another one, a third one in Stowe. But the main two locations, they got one in Chicago Falls at 1909 Bailey Road, Chicago Falls. Their phone number is 330-928-2222. They also have one in downtown Akron across the street from Rubber Duck Stadium at 325 South Main Street, Akron. Their phone number is 330-849-5707. I think I've been to that one. They got the beer wall, don't they? They got the beer wall. I like to describe it as the Dave and Busters of beer. You go in there, you put money on the card, you walk up to the taps, you put the card on the taps and pour as much beer as your heart desires, man. My heart desires a lot. I know, man, but you got to drink responsibly. They also have wine and several different selections of epic beer, man. It's just good, man. It just when it hits your lips, it's just so good. So good. Best part about it, they are the official sponsor of Just Therapy, the podcast. So when you ask for the owner, Brad Culver, and mention Just Therapy, you get a 10% discount. Mm, that's a lot of money off. I'm yeah, going to go, man. Have to call them. Yeah. And the best part about it, they cater to what you want on your pizza. Because I know Miss KT, she is a vegan, and they made a vegan-esque pizza for her with the cauliflower crust, and it was good. I like mine with no cheese, and it was banging. It was just, mm, bitch. It was just that good, man. It's my pizza. My pizza, damn it. And they got a good slogan, too, man. If it's pizza? It's possible. Twisted tomato. It's KT twisted too, man. Guess not. Oh shit! I couldn't tell if y'all were live or if that was like playing because it's not on my screen. So I'm like, this sounds like it was pre-recorded. Like, can I help you? <laughs> the commercial sound that good, huh? They do. They really do. I thought it was pre-recorded. No, you know we we always do that one live. I know, but I'm just telling you it's how it's today, you said, wait, did they record this shit? Hold up. I missed something. Hold up. We I used know. to get out, nigga. 
Oh, shit. That is hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Um, also, uh, throw the flyer up real quick. Uh, and as always, the second Monday in November, we are back. The 11-year anniversary of Suicide Prevention Fundraiser with myself, Sean Boyd, and friends. Monday, November 14th at the Funny Stop Comedy Club, 1757 State Road, Calgary Falls. Uh, streaming on Redline Radio, sponsored by Just Therapy, the podcast Doors open at 6.30. Show starts at 7. $10 donation at the door. But all proceeds go to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Please come out, support. It's a great cause. And it's a great time. And we'll probably do some crazy, funny, fucked up news at the beginning um, and go from there. Uh, We'll figure it out. But yeah, come on out. It's like I said, it's a great cause. Also, if you're in the Maslin area, uh, this Friday, I will be at Crackpots Comedy Club in Maslin, Ohio, 14 Lincoln Way, Maslin, Ohio, Crackpots Comedy Club, two shows Friday, 8 and 10 p.m. Come fuck with your boy, because I got a lot of shit I got to get off my chest. I got some new shit I'm fucking with, so come fuck with me. I see Nick Jabord and Todd chimed in, my favorite saying, no, go. And uh, La Diamond chimed in as well. Thanks for joining us. And we are back, Miss KT. You want to do it? Come on, bring us back, girl. Just another day on the couch, which is literally where I am, talking about all the problems of today. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, couchers. I missed that. That's what's up. That's dope. All right. Uh, as we, as you know, we're back. Uh, we're going to get into more of Mike Gersh. Uh, he is a author and he has a book called The Magic of Life, A Son's Story of Hope After Tragedy, Grief, and a Speedo. Talk to me, man. What's going on with the book? The book is, is something I never thought I would ever write. I know people are thinking, oh my God, he's literate too. Um, <laughs> it's who knew? The first time I ever worked with Greg Morton back in uh, probably 95, 96, mm-hmm. we were talking about our lives in in the uh, sound room. If you remember the old uh, hilarities, you know, you're you the nasty couch nope. and, and you hit it. Nope. No, really. Nope. So it I had. Only, I only was there when it was the funny stuff. Okay. So in the old club, we had a sound room and the door, and you just walk right out until the little runway and then you hit the stage. Okay. And we're talking about our lives, and I told him about. You know, being a survivor of a drunk driving crash that killed my mother and mm. uh, nearly myself when I was eight weeks old and how I was raised by a Jamaican woman. He's like, man, you, you guys, he goes, you have like a really interesting life. You got to write a book. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And uh, he's like, no, promise me to write this book. And he takes out his, you know, he extends his hand, you know, to shake on it. Mm. And and the showroom manager is doing the announcement for the show. And so I'm starting to shake Greg's hand and I'm not going to say I, I promise. And. He's going through the thing. Greg's not letting go, and I should have been on stage like 30 seconds ago. Mm-hmm. And I go, I promise. And uh, and that was it. And it took me 20 years to write because I, wow. I procrastinate and I like naps a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, it, uh, you know, Greg really uh, allowed me to share my story. You know, even though it took 20 years, if I wrote it and finished it when I was, you know, 25, 26 years old, it would have been totally different than it is now. Right. I had to go on that journey of, of life and, um, sadly, you know, lose my father, my aunt, you know, 90 days apart in 2018 and lose my best friend, you know, big John, 
uh, sadly, because he, um, he was a drunk driver and he was in one car crash, mm. hit a tree in someone's you know house as he, as he was being pulled over by the police. Damn. Um, and he knew better. He knew my story for 15 years and to go through that trauma and grief. You know, if I wrote it, but way back when I, you know, Greg told me to, it, you know, totally different. Right. So um, it allowed me to share my story, Dolly's story. Um, Dolly is originally from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was living in England at the time um, as one of the first policewomen in Scotland Yard, which made sense a whole lot later when she would kick my ass, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, after the car crash in 1970, my grandmother put it out of the newspaper for part-time help. Because, you know, my dad was 30 years old. He had a three-year-old and now an infant to, you know, take care of. But mm. the car crash was was horrific because we were less than a mile away from our house mm. at a red light. And the drunk driver, uh, as our light turned green, the drunk driver plowed through the intersection and T-boned the car and hitting us on, on my side. Mm-hmm. So when the first responders arrived, they found my mom, my dad, my brother. They didn't find me at all. Mm. 10 15 minutes goes by and someone found me sandwiched between the door and the dash of the car damn um we all went to the hospital my brother didn't have a scratch on him my dad had to get stitches on his face from the windshield hitting his face my mom was taken into surgery and for me nearly every bone in my body was broken my skull was completely fractured from one side of my head to the other i was life flighted to another hospital because my injuries were so severe um my aunt lost count of how many blood transfusions i received to stay alive and um so my dad was going through the moment of hey your son's touch and go and your wife is fighting for her for her life Mm. um my mom died the morning afterwards the morning of september 20th due to her injuries Mm. and as for you know for me i had to go back to the hospital for months afterwards make sure i didn't have any brain damage and my my friends would tell me that i'm fucked up but i think i'm fine um (laughs) probably why i go into comedy right but i had to be put on a special board the doctors had no idea if i was going to heal but I grew up to be a competitive swimmer, as we talked about earlier. Right, um, yeah. You know, that's why comedy, and I think my dad supported me because he knew, well, I almost died. Right. We know life is short. Yeah. You may fail at comedy, but at least go for it. Right. right yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I dedicated my life as, you know, when I was in high school, um, got involved with SAD back then. And I went, you know, I don't want other families going through what we went through. Right. And that's when I finally took a stand and I kind of worked towards that goal of being a speaker, you know, preventing other families from going through it. So I've been speaking for like 26, 27 years too. Mm-hmm. You know, high schools, colleges, military bates, uh, military bases. Um, I do a monthly program at the Stoke Court for DUI offenders. Mm. Uh, I have one this Thursday actually, and been doing it for almost 10 years. And it's been the most rewarding audience of my speaking career. Mm. You know, um, as much as I loved military bases and doing it for the military, but if you could change a room of DUI offenders, that right. could, you're not going to hit all of them. Right. Right. But, but if you get one. a couple of them yeah, and you notice that change in front of their eyes, because when, when they walk in, they go, oh, this is bullshit. I don't want right. to be there. Yeah. But I start off doing stand up. Uh-huh. You know, they don't expect that. And, you know, if you make someone laugh, mm-hmm. you could take them anywhere you want anywhere on you that want. journey. Yeah. And so when they hear my story, it hits them even harder. You know, mm. I think because you make them laugh, you know, you play around for a little bit and right. they go, go, okay, now here, here it comes to you. And they don't expect it uh, at all. And um, we were blessed, you know, take a horrific situation of losing my mom, but we were blessed with this woman, Dolly, who she was visiting her sister in New York and she hated Times Square. It was, you know, Times Square of 1970, not like we have now. Right, right. Um, saw the ad my grandmother put in the newspaper for part time help, answered it, didn't show up. She said she blew it off. She said she couldn't find a ride to the house. 
And this is where fate comes into our lives and how even the three of us, the four of us, whoever's listening, we're all connected now. Mm-hmm. Saw the ad a few months later, called, tried to play it off as a first-time caller, but my grandmother remembered her Jamaican accent. Right. Came to the house. When she was introduced to me in the crib, she put her fingers into the crib, and I latched onto them, and I smiled. And she said, this is where I need to be. This family needs me more than going back to Jamaica to be a nurse or, mm. or whatever. And um, when she was introduced to my brother later on, my brother who was three, my grandmother goes, hey, Jeff, this is Dolly. She's going to be looking after you and your brother. My dad, my brother goes, looks at my father and goes, hey, dad, we're big men. We don't need any help, right? She's here for the baby. Uh, <laughs> you know? And uh, but that's all I knew. She slept in my room at the crib. So it wasn't about color, creed, religion. I have a white Jewish family and a black Jamaican family. You know, Mm -hmm. it was just, you know, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. And I learned about unconditional love and compassion and in the human spirit from her. And, uh, you know, I didn't learn to, you know, hate people based on color or creed or religion. I was taught to hate, I was taught to hate people because they're fucking stupid, right? right. <laughs> in the way it should be. Right. But, you know, with, with Dolly being, you know, 91 and being a part of my life for 52 years, you know, mm. Saturday's her birthday. Two two days later is the anniversary of the car crash. You know, you get the yeah. highs of the highs and the lows yeah. of, the, of the lows. But yeah. how blessed we are. And, you know, if it wasn't for her, I kind of shudder to think how I would have turned out, me and my brother, because mm. my dad was totally lost. You know, in terms of that he never got over that grief and, and that trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, for um, you know, he passed away in January of 2018, so it was like 40, was it 47 years later? And right. and I saw that. And you know, as men, we don't talk about grief and trauma. We bottle up inside because yeah. it's manly until it almost kills us. And yeah. and for me, it almost did my grief and and stuff until I, I had to get help. And mm-hmm. I thought about. You know, I'd battled depression. Now that I was going back and talking about the book and sharing Dolly's story, and you know, I was writing it. I was like, "Dolly, I'm going to write a book," and she's like, "Don't use my name." I'm like, <laughs> I go, oh, what do you mean? Don't use your They're name. They're going to find you. You're part. You're part of the story. Don't I mean, use my name, man. And I, yeah, now, now you don't want anything to do with me after you know raising me as your own flesh and blood and right. and stuff. And um, to examine that and look how, you know, swimming was a good outlet. Comedy was a good outlet. You know, I, I didn't self-medicate, you know, with drugs driving through the depression. I found that creative process mm-hmm. and that's what did. I would hide behind my comedy and mm-hmm. you probably have to, you know, with the yeah. trauma and grief because we don't want to deal with those emotions. Right. But we have to because, um, you know, otherwise we're going to explode. And and I look back at the times when I was writing the book about those times where I thought about suicide and, and doing it. I remember one time. Uh, I was in my early 20s and life wasn't going word well. And I was like, I wish I could hear my mother's voice and her, you know, and all that stuff. And I went to bed thinking, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to jump off the 15th floor balcony the next day. I went, I'm a swimmer. I could do this shit. And uh, she came to me in the dream and said, Michael, stop worrying about me. I'm fine. And she gave me a big old hug. And I woke up face down the pillow like I was hugging her. Wow. And that was that was like, OK, my mom didn't sacrifice her life so I could end mine sooner. Right. So I think about those things as I get close, you know, because uh, in 2018, when my dad passed away, and my aunt 90 days apart, there was one week where I wasn't going to see the end of the week. Mm-hmm. And I had a plan, you know, I was going to do the Robin Williams thing. And I was in my office uh, at work and uh, on the back of my door was a sweater. I was like, yeah, I'm going to use the, I'm gonna use whatever it takes. And I put my head down on, on my desk and I thought of my brother and I thought of Dolly. And I went, I can't have them go back to the cemetery three times in six months right. you know, or my friends asking why I didn't reach out for help and all that stuff. And I had mm-hmm. a friend that was a counselor and I had lunch with her. 
that day. And I went, you know, later on and I went home and I filled out the sheet of all the problems and all that stuff. I would have aced if it was a test. Right. The, the only thing, the only thing I marked no on was, are you pregnant? And I went, well, <laughs> and I was like, well, I could still write yes on this. Right? You know, here, here's my sheet, you know, to turn in for the counselor. And right. I worked my ass off at it. And, and the first question my counselor said was, um, she, she goes, uh, Hey, let's let's talk about your mother's death and how that impacted all your relationships. And I was like, I'm here to talk about my dad and my aunt. She's like, Oh no, we're not moving off the subject. And I was 47 years old before we really to really process my mom's death mm-hmm. and how that did impact all my relationships and, and the trauma and the grief. And yeah, because it, it, it happened so early. Like, yeah, yeah, I didn't know my mom. There was no way you could remember. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you didn't know your mom. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So with relationships, you know, starting out, I was doing comedy, you know, early on. And mm-hmm. so you're broke. I'm not dating. I'm looking to do gigs. Right. And then also I saw my father's pain. And I went, I never want to do that. Right. You know, that bullshit. I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. And mm-hmm. after counseling, all that stuff, I kind of regret, you know, I wish it, it happened sooner. But everything, you know, as you know, in comedy, everything's timing, right? Yeah, everything and, is uh, timing, yeah. So even with the book, you know, you know, I finished it after grief counseling. I was like, okay, now's. It sucks because here's here's you know the ending towards the book is writing about the grief and the trauma of my dad's death, but these I he knew I was writing a book, mm. so I was able to interview him in the hospital, you know, room over the phone. Mm. He's and and for him it was hard to talk about. I remember uh, December nineteenth, two thousand and twelve, I think. Uh, he sent me my brother an email saying even to that it would have been my parents' forty eighth wedding anniversary, mm. and even to that day, still talking about my mom was still too hard for him. Mm. never understood that until then because you gotta go talk about my mom just right. like hey just out of the blue right never realizing as a kid all those type of things how tough it was for him did he ever get remarried he never got remarried but him and dolly formed a relationship okay you know um i don't know when that happened okay you know, in, in life but you know it, it, for us it was cool and it was normal but everyone else is like well who's the black woman with you know three white people and all that stuff. Is that your maid, your housekeepers? Like, right. No, that's just Dolly. That's all we knew. Right. Right. You know, it was more than those type of things, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, the seventies, you know, not too far yeah. from the civil rights. So that was those roles that people yeah. thought of. They never really understood that family dynamic unless you knew our family, right. You know about that. And, you know, it was just a, a beautiful way to grow up and mm-hmm. be in that environment in terms of loving, even though my dad couldn't always express Know those emotions, right. and, and then I emulated that. You know, bottled it all up inside, except for using humor. Right, is that defense mechanism? You know, making people laugh to hide that pain. Mm. You know, and I don't know if it's true. And you know, what, what are your thoughts of comics or comedians to hide that pain? You know, there's been uh, research about it, but I don't know if it's shit. true. <laughs> uh, I mean, we we hide it a lot. You know, um, just being up on that stage, you you force yourself to hide it. You yeah. know, what I'm saying you. Um, getting to that rhythm is like, you know, I'm up here having fun so I can forget what I have yeah. going on in my life and in yeah. my mind to make other people to forget, you know, and if, but uh, it's, it's crazy. Cause I think the first contest that I won, I think the only contest I won, um, I had a good friend of mine passed away uh, from a heart problem that I didn't even know he had. <clears throat> And the way I met him, he was like one of my weed dudes mm. when I moved to the Cuyahoga Falls area. But we became friends. It was more than just, <clears throat> hey, I'm about to come buy some weed. No, it was more of, uh, I'm going to buy some weed. We're going to smoke, but we actually going to talk about life as right. well. 
You know what I'm saying? So uh, when he passed, uh, that hit me hard. I was out in front of uh, now that's class. That's where it was at. And I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, I got to go do this damn contest. And I really don't want to let me go in here and mask, you know, wipe off my tears and mask the hurt on my face and, and, and my heart and go up here and have some fun. And I, and I actually won that contest blew my mind because it was fucked up. So of course, right. after drinking and winning the show and winning a couple of dollars, I get back to the car and I'm fucking balling again. Right. You know what I'm saying? Cause it didn't go anywhere, you know, yeah. but um, uh, we mask our pain so much. I mean, as some people know, some people don't know um, for comedians or whatever, uh, the suicide rate is very high. It's like top five, you know, of professions right. to commit suicide because of what we've went through, you know what I'm saying? Or what we have yeah. experienced in our life. That's what makes us funny. You hear a lot of people say they don't want to do therapy because they think they won't be as funny because of the pain that pushes and drives them to be funny. Yeah, you know what? That pain's always there. It's just how we cope with it. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a part of me. Mm-hmm. You know, and in all those years, I thought, well, the car crash defined me as a person. I learned it. Well, it's a part of me. It doesn't define me a hundred percent. Right. And that was that was a good lesson to learn. Right. You know, I I don't. You know, the the therapy helped because it was like it wasn't medication because you know medication is only one part of it. Because like the problem was me. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had to fix myself. Mm-hmm. You know, for all that stuff and and. My therapist is like, are you willing to do this or that? I go, yeah, whatever's going to help me, I'm willing to do. Right. You know, if you need to shock my balls, do that. Damn. You know, whatever much. it takes. Don't <laughs> shock the balls. You know, do, but luckily it didn't get to that. That would have been uh, pretty bad. But, you know, it was like I couldn't go on living like that. You right. know, and, and, the, and the humor was there. And, yeah, we, we know in the last couple of years, um, you know, quite a few comedians have, have killed themselves. Yeah. And not only that, because of the depression and stuff that they might be going through, but also that natural high when it's accidental overdoses. Because, you know, mm-hmm. once you're on stage for that minute or yeah. however long, that's the high you want to retain off stage. Off stage, And yeah. you can't unless you're nope. going to do something you else, can't. right? Nope, not at all. Yeah. Nope. So, you know, I think that's part of it, too. And, you know, and then you're on the road, you're lonely, What you know, all those things yeah. that they say it's true yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in country songs. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is out there, but it's, um, but it's been also been my salvation that, that humor that's kept me alive, mm-hmm. you know, for that, um, without it. Yeah. I, I don't know how I would have coped. Mm. You know, I didn't turn to alcohol. The only time I turned to alcohol was I was a senior in college. I had shoulder surgery right beforehand, mm-hmm. kind of rushed rehab, uh, blew it out again. That first swimming in Bowling Green, Damn. I was popping Vicodins and Budweiser like for a week. You know, thinking I'm just going to jump out of my second floor window at Ashland University because you're an athlete. No one trains us how to deal with life after sports. Right. It's always win, win, win. Never. And this is back in 91, 92. Mm-hmm. So mental health for athletes was never a thing until yep. maybe the last five, six years. Probably. Yeah. yeah like so at least the last five. I was I was going down a dark road for that. And when I can't keep doing this myself anymore, you know, with with that. I mean, the Viking was going to run down, run out eventually. Right. You know, but it's like. Plus your ass was gonna hurt. Yeah, yeah exactly. Taking them fucking yeah. pain meds. Oh so I was like, gosh. what else can I do? And <laughs> you know, thank God my grandfather got me into magic as a kid for that coping mechanism. Right. You know, I would still I would play my Star Wars toys. I would yeah. pretend I'm Spider Man, but that, but watching, but that humor as a kid was so addicting, and he didn't realize I was older and how much that 
was my salvation and still mm. is at, at some point. Mm. So I think about, I have my mom's picture. I have, a, I have a picture of my mom, my brother, myself by my front door. It's the only picture I have of, of my mom. Okay. And my, uh, my goal is like, I'll make someone laugh and make a difference in someone's life every day, walk home, get home. And that's a good day for me. Okay. You know, those, you know, I try to simplify it. There's two little things I could right. do on a daily basis. And, you know, my mantra before, um, my, my dad passed away was be a mom. I, you know, be a son. My mother would be proud of mm. not perfect. I don't do it every day, but right. I try to, mm-hmm. right. Cause, um, you, you kind of live, you know, you want your parents to be proud of you and, and vice versa. And mm-hmm. I went, all right, this is what I could do to honor my mother and for her to inspire me to share my story. And, you know, like when I know when I have Thursday coming up and it's the, you know, right around the, the anniversary, it's going to be emotional. It's going to be tough. Yeah. But yeah. Once you see those people in the audience, you know, those DUI offenders, like you said, you get one of them. Yeah. Then that, that's all that matters. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know we shared the, uh, same month of our mom's dying yeah because uh saturday it'll be four years that my mom passed away yeah so i got that show friday but i know saturday is gonna be like oh i don't want to do shit but um yeah that's but you will all day until you get to that the showroom and you're gonna go yeah this is it yeah yeah you'll get that fire in your blood going oh yeah and you realize yeah this is what i'm meant to do yeah Yeah. but then that next day when i don't have a show right yeah Yeah, that hot right (laughs) right yeah yeah Yep. So it's like you try to, you know, um, fill it with something, you know. So how, how did you get past it? How did you get over it? Um, I learned coping skills. Mm-hmm. I think you're st- I don't think you ever get over. It. I just think you learn how to cope with it. And I learned through counseling. Uh, I go I started hiking. So I love photography. Okay. You know, so I take my dad was a photographer. That's how my parents met. My dad was a school photographer at NYU mm-hmm. and he was shooting a school dance. Oh, he was like, let me do some yeah. freaky deaky pictures. I need a model. And yeah, well, he was, he was photographing. <laughs> and a playboy is coming well, out. Come on. And, 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 yeah. In a way. Well, he was shooting a school dance and uh-huh. the only person looking at him in the picture was my mom. Mm. And it's, it's in the book. You'll see it. And he went up after, you know, words to find out who it was. So my dad really stalked my mom um in a way so um a a good friend of mine who was a counselor back then she goes go get a camera you know as you're hiking right and you know i got away from it you know my dad my brother we were all into it you know we we turned uh, our bathroom in miami into a dark room you know a couple summers so it was always there so photography is just another creative outlet you know and um so hiking you know i find my happy places to go to you know um you know, and sit and, and just find that inner peace, you know, as much as possible mm. is, is the one way to cope, you know, and, and to let that anger out too. I mean, if you let the anger sit, it's going to, just going to get worse and worse. So yeah, there's days I'm going to swear and cuss. And um, one thing I learned in counseling was cool was taking beanbags and throwing it against the wall, mm-hmm. you know, let that anger out. I did that for my friend, John. So I was so angry with him for so many years in terms of how dare he do this to me. You know, no, he knew no better story, and yeah. he knew my story. And it wasn't until the, the 50th anniversary, I had to go back to counseling because I was just don't go into that dark road again and going, if I don't get help, I'm, I'm not here. Mm-hmm. And we did something. Did you called, say the, the, the fifth anniversary? You the say? 50th anniversary oh, 50. Okay. In, in 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to go back. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not going to live. Mm-hmm. And we did something called EMDR, which is really cool. Um, sensory type of stuff. And, and, and I really focused on getting over John and going, man, that anger. It's just a waste of energy for me. You know, it's uh, why don't you just rechannel that into something better? 
that's to say I'm not always, you know, this once in a while I'm still pissed at John. Right. You know, I'm angry at the man that killed my mother. You know, that's never going to go away. It's just how do you cope with that and how to manifest that into um, positive energy. Right. You know, so those are the tools I, I kind of learned how to do you know, versus, where, versus always, you know, depression is is that warm blanket you take out of the dryer right away and you just wrap yourself up and go, yeah. oh, this feels so good. Yeah. But if you stay in it too long. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's not a good feeling. And, no. you know, I know when my levels drop, you know, and then you kind of go, okay, I'm in trouble. Let me go talk to a friend. I, I'm not shy about that anymore. And it's been freeing. Writing the book was freeing of all those emotions. Mm. And especially as a guy, you know, men, we, you know, we don't want to speak up. And it's amazing when you share your story and someone else goes, oh, I'm not alone anymore. That's right. one of the best feelings about sharing my story about depression or grief or trauma because, you know, we both know there's other people that go out, they're out there right in the street who are going through shit and they feel all alone. Mm-hmm. As soon as you go, this is what I'm going through. Someone else will go, you know what? I've been through the same thing. And then it's like the strength in numbers, right? You know, yeah. for that. And that's, that's been the powerful thing. I was scared shitless to, to publish the book because people I had family members who go, we thought you were always fine. I was a kid, you know, mm. you know, of course, you know, it's just one of those things. And as you get older, I swam angry in college. Right. I was angry at my dad for never talking about my mom. I was angry at Harvey Dennison for killing my mom. I was angry at God, you know, mm-hmm. all those type of things. And swimming right. was a good outlet. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I had to stop swimming, I go, now what do you do? Now what do you do? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'll, you know, always went back to humor, you know, making people laugh on stage or off. And that always felt good. Right. Miss KT, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. So a couple questions that I had. Um, so my father passed away um, last November, and he has two oh. young children. Um, they are twelve and thirteen, and they live in California. And so I let them come and stay with me. Um, these are my sisters; they're younger than my own children. My youngest son is nineteen. But I let them come stay with me. And so they were asking me questions about um, our dad passing. Like, how did I know? How did he die? You know, these types of things where the people in their lives aren't honest with them. So Mm -hmm. I didn't want to tell them that he passed away from drugs. But I also didn't want to lie to them because I feel like they need to know the truth at some point. And so it's just really hard trying to figure out, you know, a good way to help them deal without giving them too much too early, but also being there for them. So do you have any uh, advice for that? Yeah, I I think you could, I would probably share stories of, um, you know, in that good light, you know, let them know how, you know, how wonderful of a person he was as a father, as a, you know, and probably share those stories, you know, kind, you know, kind loving person and, you know, let them talk about their feelings. And that's the, I think the, probably the best thing is to ask them how, how they're feeling, you know, towards everything. Um, and let them talk, you know, or just sit with them. You know, sometimes they don't, sometimes they don't want to talk. They just want uh, someone next to them to feel that love and know that everything's going to be okay, you know, eventually in terms of that time frame. But I think, you know, share stories and, you know, ask them how they're doing and, you know, encourage them to, to share their feelings because, you know, um, especially at that age where, you know, 
Sean was talking about, you know, TikTok before in terms of social media and all those things that they feel, especially that age, um, you know, to let them know that they're not alone and that, that you're someone who's safe that they can always talk to. I think, you know, they need that encouragement. I never really had that, you know, growing up. I didn't think I had that. Um, so I think knowing that they have you is, is a beautiful thing. Thank you for that. Um, do you think I should be honest with them about his passing or because I just kind of left it as like a general statement. Um, but, you know, because he dealt with addiction, I, I want them to know that they are more susceptible to addiction and I don't want them to, you know, go down the wrong path because they aren't aware. Right. I think you can. I mean, especially how you just phrase it with, you know, with addiction, you know, and, and how it is and how they are, you know, just as you said, susceptible to it, you know, in, in terms of the future. And I think, you know, knowing that is, um, you know, you, you, I know people who have been, you know, children of alcoholics and they go one or two ways, right? They follow the, the same path as the parents or they go the opposite way and never drink uh, at all. And I think, you know, give them that information and in, in that type of way of, you know, your father battled, you know, addiction. I think, I think that's okay to do. And I think they should know that, um, you know, cause like for me, you know, I went in that path of honoring my, you know, my mom, making sure it never happens again. If you tell them that could impact them in terms of a career of, you know, working towards addiction, you know, help. And that's pretty powerful. I mean, you know, our, our parents are our role models for good or bad. And I think, you know, that could be a pivotal part in, in terms of, of their life, you know, and cause you don't want that to happen to them, just as you said. So I think, you know, letting them know in, in terms of the right way can, can save in and change their lives. All right. Uh, last thing about that. Um, it's hard for me to know if I've really processed. I mean, I don't know. It's like, you can't really process, right? Like I know my dad is gone, but I feel like, you know, because life just keeps going. And so it's very difficult to know what level you're on. Because sometimes I feel perfectly fine. And then sometimes, like you said, I get my depression blanket and I curl up in the ball and I enjoy it until I feel like, okay, now you're letting it take you too far under, you know, I, I call it riding the wave of grief. And sometimes yes. I let it take me under. And then sometimes I'm like, all right, girl, fight your way back to the top. But mm -hmm. it's hard to know, you know, like, a good balance or what I should be doing with that, you know? Yeah. They, they, they always say, you know, grief is like riding those waves, you know, we're going to have our good days or bad days and the Holy shit, we're not going to, we're not going to get out of bed days. Um, you know, and you have those and, and it's okay to accept those days. I, you know, let those days come because you know, it's going to be temporary. And then you try to find something that makes you happy. You know um, for me going to a, a park is, you know, my escapism or doing photography or, you know, or riding on my bike or exercise. So I would say, you know, when you feel that way, try to, you know, do something for yourself that's going to bring you a little bit of, of joy. Um, you know, if, even if it's, you know, for a few minutes. Um, the other thing you could do is what I did and what I learned was having grief appointments. So, you know, once a day I would set my timer like for 10 minutes and I would, I would scream, shout, cry, hit things, whatever it is, and have my grief moment during that time. Let all those emotions out, you know, and then, we need that release you know keeping it all to yourself you know when we 
get to those lows of lows. That's the dangerous part right there. And it allowed me to get those emotions out. Sometimes I had those emotions when I was driving to work and I'm crying my eyes out, uh, but it still felt good. Um, so I think, you know, when we get to that part where we feel so low, it's, you know, it's okay to feel that low as long as we come out of it, but also try to find, you know, something you, you enjoy and that's just for you. And that, and I think that helps with a little bit of balance. I definitely like that idea of a grief appointment. It's like you give yourself time and permission to get those feelings out so mm -hmm. that they don't overwhelm you or take over or, you know, kind of be so heavy that you do something out of control. So I like that idea. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. So, yeah. And I'm glad those are the things that we're talking about, how to, you know, cope with it. Yeah. It's those type of coping skills I never had before. Right. So you just let the depression fester you and, and get to you. And, and but, but if we know how to cope or some tools, that definitely helps. The other thing that was good was uh, writing letters. Okay. You know, write a letter to my dad. I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to Harvey Dennison. I mean, there was a lot of swearing in that one. Right. Uh, angry writing. And, you know, you write it all out, all those emotions, whatever you want. You put in an envelope and then sooner or later you. You know, if you have like a bonfire or whatever, you, you burn it and let it go. I haven't burned them. I don't even know where they are anymore. Um, but that's nice because then, you know, in a way you're writing a letter to your dad. Right. You know, an update or whatever it is. Like, you, like you're at summer camp, you know, and, and you're writing to them. And, and I think that's that's a healthy outlet um, to do too. Mm. I like that. I might do that on Saturday. Oh yeah, great! Rather do mom, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. Miss KT, anything else? You got any other questions about the book? Um, no, but I really like you know um, that we're having this conversation. I feel like a lot of people don't know what to do, and most people don't know how to help. You know. Mm -hmm. So right. I feel like the, the more conversations you can have about strategies, because death is the one part of life that's for certain yep. that we all yep. try and, you know, ignore until, you yeah. know, until it happens. Yeah. And then it's like you're stuck dealing with it, but it's like the biggest part of life. Like, you know, it's going to occur. So yep. you can't keep acting like, you know, it's not something that needs to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. And with a lot of my students, they've, they dealt with a lot of death and a lot of trauma. And, you know, when you try and just ignore it and pretend like, you know, they're supposed to just go on without any coping strategies, it just feels so unrealistic to me. Like, it's like we're, we're these blinders where we don't understand how much of a part of life this is. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's tough being exclusive around that age where it's never been talked about. And again, I learned through trauma, you know, I read this book called what happened to me, you know, by Oprah and I'm not a huge fan of Oprah, but I was in a book club. Don't, don't judge. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, I know. Thanks. And, it, and it was really good because you learn your parents' trauma trickles down to you and so yeah. forth and so far. And mm -hmm. I, and it started me and it started for me to understand my own trauma and how to get through it and, and whatnot. And I think you're right. Cause if we ignore it, like I did for so long or my dad did, it just, it gets worse and worse. And then, you have a death. It's like, how, how do you cope? Mm -hmm. You know, this in February, I lost three people within four days. We lost Sandy, you mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, yeah. Sean and I, uh, uh, who was a server oh, that's at Omni Club, you know, through cancer, I lost uh, Big John's mom. Uh -huh. And then I lost um, a probation officer at the Stoke Court who I knew for nine years, a mm -hmm. big supporter, all through all, all three with cancer. 
all mm. within four days, Dang. you know? So that was tough. You know, and one of them is tough as you know, and mm -hmm. I went back to my grief counseling and what I learned, I had those grief appointments. I threw the bean bags. I, I made sure I went out to my happy place and, you know, along the river in Cascade Falls, mm -hmm. you know, or to, um, you know, a, a park or whatever it was, you know, you know, went to that. So it, it's nice knowing, you know, having those tools, you know, in, in your back pocket, you know, all right. you need is one that you really enjoy. That's going to help you for that little bit of, of time. Yeah. Yeah. February is a hard month for me too. Um, just especially like losing Sandy and then my dad's birthday, my parents anniversary, um, uh, the second marriage that failed, you know what I'm saying, was in between my dad's birthday and right. my parents' anniversary. It was like, fuck, like that, well, vice versa, my parents' anniversary, then dad's uh, birthday. But um, yeah, man, it's like, it sucks. And uh, I don't even think I have a happy place besides the stage. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. You have that. Cause like that's literally probably my only happy place. Right. Yeah. Or... You don't. Yeah. You don't want a Pee Wee Herman happy place. So you get arrested for that. No. Definitely. Yeah, you don't, definitely you don't want those. In, <laughs> in the movie theater jacket. But I, don't want I mean, be. even like baseball. <laughs> what about like a baseball field? You know, just to go and sit. You know, you have all yeah. those memories. I mean, something that brings you joy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, for that, and you know, um, even for Lakeisha, you know. Let me know her address. I'll send her a book too. Yeah. You know, do you got uh, one with you? I'll, I'll no, just that one. Oh, okay. So yeah. Right. You only told me to bring one. That was it. But I'll, yeah, I'll, I could get her a book. Um, yeah, I definitely would appreciate that because, you know, it's just not my story. It's Dolly's. It's very fascinating. And people go, you know, you know what happened and, and to share her story, but, but all through the trauma, grief. I think it's the eyes of a child, a teenager, a young mm -hmm. adult, and then someone of an adult at, you know, 47 years old. <laughs> right, right. When, when the rabbi goes, Hey, you and your brother are now orphans. And I'm like, well, what about Dolly? You know, she's still like our mom. Right. But he wasn't counting that. And yeah. I was like, I almost wanted to fight with him going, I'm not an orphan yet. I still have her, right. you yeah, know, yeah. as her mom. Yeah. But it, it's interesting, you know, to go back to, you know, what you were saying, you know, about your loved ones, you know, being what they, you said they're like 12, 19, you know, as kids. 12 and 13. 12 and 13, how to process that. Yeah. kids. Okay. Yeah. How to process that as mm -hmm. kids, you don't. And I think we're desensitized a little bit more due to TikTok and, and things on our on the web and everything yeah. else and how to cope. Our social skills aren't any more improved as kids and stuff because right. it's all the fingertips and, and so yeah. forth. So, you know, having that down to earth talk with them is so important. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, in my book, you know, for anyone listening, it's on Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. You know, they can find it there. Yeah, definitely check out the book. It is called The Magic of Life A Son's Story of Hope. After tragedy, grief, and a speedo by Michael Gersh. What, what is the M, the M Ed? What is it? Oh, well, someone, I, I have a master's of arts in education. So, oh, some, oh, okay. So, master's someone told me to put that on there because it looks even better. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. And almost it, like you make you look like a doctor. Yeah. What's, what's great about that is when Greg read it, um, when I finished writing the, the manuscript, me and Greg Morton working together, and it was really cool to look him in the eye and go, Here's all these years, I, I finished the, <laughs> I finished the, the freaking you know promise to you. Right, right. But when he read it, he goes, "In one line, you made me laugh. The next line, you made me cry." Mm. You know, and and for it to help people that I don't even know through their trauma and grief, mm -hmm. it's amazing. You know, and I always tell people, share your story because you never know who you get impacted in a positive yeah. way. Because we all have awesome stories to share. Yeah, that's true. Because a lot of people told me to write a book, and it's like, eh, I want to. Um, I need to just get to yeah. it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I got a lot of <laughs> shit. And you write too, you know, it's like writing a joke. You write until you're done, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't write jokes anymore. They just come to me, but. <laughs> but yeah, but, all right, in theory, you know what right, the hell right, I meant. Yeah, I know what you meant. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. <laughs> I, got, I got a question for you. Uh, with, the, with the alcohol, um, I did hear you say you had a butt light, um, but how long did you fight off even touching it or looking at it before? Well, I, still, I, still, I don't mind drinking. Um, you know, oh, in terms of when? Um, I mean, I guess, I mean, once you got older, because, I mean, I would imagine, you know, being, you know, your family going through that because of a drunk driver, I can right. imagine you not wanting to even look at anybody that's, that drinks alcohol. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not against the use of alcohol. I am against it if it harms you or other people. You know, I've been a Dolphins fan for a really long time. So, you know, if I drank during a football game, I would be, you know, in trouble. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of hurt, you know, Browns fans know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we right. That we but, uh, don't laugh too hard. I always, I always love when they, but like said, when the Browns finally win a game, we'll give you free Bud Light. I went, really? That's, that's like the shittiest beer. You couldn't like, you know, give you something, guys, a be- little bit better of a beer for a victory. Right. But yeah, I'm not against the use of alcohol. It's just, you know, I don't mind having a glass of wine from time to time or whatever. It's just one of the harms of the people and obviously, you know, impaired driving. Uh-huh. You know, it has to stop. There's no reason why you have to. I mean, you know, you, you have a designated driver. And, you know, I don't believe in Uber or Lyft because there's been sexual assault, robberies. And it happens. Yeah. You know, as parents, what do you tell your kids about getting in the cars with strangers? Don't yeah. do it. Don't do and it. here we are as adults getting in the cars with strangers and we're fucked up. Yeah. You know, having yeah. a DD is great because, you know, and take turns. Like the three of us are going out. You know, say it's Sean's turn to be the designated driver, right. and we take turns. Yeah, you know, and I'm being only the, having two, I'll be good. yeah, and being the, <laughs> right because everyone says yeah, and being the DD is great because you could no drop, liquor, yeah, because I mean being the DD is awesome because you could drunk you could drop your drunk friends off the wrong house Anywhere and try to watch them get in that house, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, make sure you get DD if you're going to get your friends into breaking the inner and turn. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and record it because they're going to need it for the court case. You know, the court case. Listen, they're definitely coming in no matter whose house it is. That all right. they know is they need to lay down somewhere. So. Yeah, and we know your history of breaking and entering already. So, whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Yeah, I was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids, this is what we call a comedy What would you say, KT? I said, I got to be careful about the stories I share with Mike. I already know what I'm going to write in your book as a personal message, Shell. It's, it's, it's really there. <laughs> I, I I try to personalize them, but that's yeah, I mean, you can have your. I mean, that's the humor. You know, we've been through. You know, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's very interesting because people always you know ask that if I drink, oh yeah, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, my, we had a full liquor cabinet growing up. We never drank. My dad never drank. You know, agreeing with growing up in high school, it was like just call. You know, if you need right. a ride, yeah. he never would have hear the phone because he, you know, he was, he was sleeping in his lazy boy chair. He never heard anything. Right. You know, after you know Archie Bunker, he was out cold. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just you know take turns and you know the bar like for like for Big John that was he was leaving his third bar that night. Damn. And he he st- he started off with the Winking Lizard on Detroit Avenue. Uh-huh. Went to another bar, I'm not too sure. Ended up Johnny Malloy's also in Detroit. That's no longer there. And when he was leaving that third bar. They didn't try to stop him or stop serving him. It was another customer who saw John stumble to his truck who called the police. They cared more about him than the people who were serving him. 
Wow. And that, you know, that anger is still happened. It still happened. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, uh, before I left, a friend of mine um, sent me a message, very nice message, because there's days where you want to stop talking and go, how much good am I actually doing? Yeah. Because it gets frustrating. And he said, continue doing what you're doing. And he sent me, it was a beautiful message. I go, thank you. I needed that because it's tough at times because you got to go, how good of a job am I doing after 20 something years in the, in the lives? Mm-hmm. Cause it does get frustrating. Cause you read articles about people dying every week, don't drunk driving and this, but then you kind of go, these are the lives who are in front of me mm-hmm. that I have to change. Yeah. And, and it's purpose. You know, we all have that purpose. And right. uh, you know, th- this is mine. Man. Curse, man. <laughs> And, and I said I didn't want to just talk all about the book, but I, was I know. Like, Fuck it, I gave it. <laughs> I know. I was like, what else? Can one I of the episodes about? that need, needed to be needed to happen, man. That's what we do on just there. Right. We have, you know, conversations sometimes that you have to have that you don't want to have, but you we gotta have it, man. Right. right. Definitely gotta have it. Yes, definitely. Miss KT, any other questions before we go to our favorite topic? Before we get up out of here. Uh, no, I don't have any more questions. All right, on to our favorite topic. What's that, Miss KT? Crazy. Funny. Fucked up. New. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This one's, uh, I picked this one because this is uh, funny. Uh, <laughs> it's, and it's going to be a, a slight game edition as well. All right, here we go. Uh, Revenge plot. North Carolina woman allegedly sets wrong house on fire over ex-boyfriend. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Rowan County, North Carolina. North County, uh, Carolina woman allegedly set fire to the wrong house while seeking revenge on her ex-boyfriend. County Sheriff's Office said uh, Christy Jones set the house on fire Stole the homeowner's dog and damaged an above-ground pool. <laughs> Investigators even think Jones went so far as to block the water hose so the homeowner could not use it to slow the spread of the fire. The homeowner discovered this extra devious step when they went to use the garden hose on the fire and found it blocked with uh, a sealant. Authorities said one of the homeowners saw Jones, who did not know, with his dog and confronted her after she had started the fire. As he tried to stop her from leaving the scene, Jones brushed past him in her car. Investigators said they eventually found the dog and were able to put the fire out before any serious damage happened. The home suffered uh, some damages. (laughs) (laughs) I would say so. How mad can you be to set a house on fire you thinking your ex-boyfriend staying and then it come out to be the wrong motherfucking house? <laughs> she should have tried your coping skills. <laughs> she was so mad. She was stupid. Don't go chasing waterfalls. It's like she was driving following but she was crying, so she couldn't tell which house he went into for sure. So she just picked one. Like it was, she was too distraught. Too distraught. Shit, she burned her own house down. She'll learn some coping skills in prison. 
That's what yes, you have to learn. Definitely. And, and learn how <laughs> or to Or at least how to set better fires or something. I don't know. <laughs> better fires? Well, no, just reading the fucking address. <laughs> I mean, was it like 896 and she went to 869? Like, no <laughs> Maybe she's dyslexic. Right. Oh, right. shit. That's hilarious. That's a, that's a bad way to find out. <laughs> 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 she wastes all that good liar fluid on the wrong house. Reading is important after all. It is fundamental. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine the ex-boyfriend coming out two doors down, like, damn, it's a fire? Wait. <laughs> is that that crazy bitch I just broke up? <laughs> hey. He probably lived. He probably lived across the street. He probably. He probably the one called the police. Like that crazy bitch outside. That crazy bitch outside. Like on, what was that on Friday? I was about to say, yeah, next Friday. That crazy bitch outside there. Right. Oh shit. Oh gosh, that's funny as hell. Oh my goodness. Mm-mm-mm. Can you imagine? He was like, that's that crazy bitch. She told me she was bipolar, but she didn't say she was that fucking crazy. Listen, that's why he didn't give her the right address on purpose. <laughs> he was like, I don't want this bitch knowing where I live at. Shit. Yeah. So he probably gave her the wrong address on purpose. And then he like, because I could just walk a couple houses down. She ain't going to know the difference. Yep. Uh, anytime he brung her over, she was probably too inebriated, so she wasn't gonna remember exactly what house. Make sure she get the fuck out before before the sunset come up. He probably just parked in the back. You know, some of them neighborhoods, all the backyards look the same. You right. right. <laughs> exactly right. You bring them through the back, they don't know which one is which in the daylight. <laughs> That's really horrible, though. Like, imagine you and your wife in there, and somebody sets your house on fire, screaming, "You a cheating, lying son of a!" And your wife, like, what in the world? Like, were you cheating, motherfucker? Like, no, baby, I don't know what the fuck going on. No, she said you was a cheating, lying bitch, and our house. You saying she set our house on fire for nothing? Like, like that man is guilty until proven innocent. Cause ain't no way she gonna believe him. Golly, what if he was really cheating? And that's how the wife found out that he was cheating because he had to fess up. Was like, but that ain't the bitch I'm cheating with. Baby. <laughs> My bitch wouldn't do this. But <laughs> she knows she only get the day after Valentine's Day, not the Valentine's Day. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Y'all ready for that? She said a whole house on fire. A whole, and then, wait, wait. But then, block the fucking garden hose, though. Put sealant in it so it wouldn't work. Like, who thinks of that? Like, I want this motherfucker to die and burn. So I'm going to put sealant in the garden hose so he can't use that to try to stop the spread of the fucking fire. Who does that? That's definitely extreme. That's some super premeditated, like, you took the time to put ceiling in the hole. You did that before you put the gas all around the house. Like that was your first step. That's uh, worse than the boiled rabbit and fatal attraction right there. That's even worse. 
Yeah, like, like she really wanted everybody to die in the house to burn to the ground. Everybody. I think that's worse than beating yourself up with grapefruit and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but she was really in the hardware store. Like, hey, do you have any sealant so I can block a hose? Like, what do I use for that? Yeah, that's got to be a waterproof sealant. Like, what right. in the world? Oh, that's how that's how five, ma'am. <laughs> you ordered some flex seal off Amazon. <laughs> flex seal works underwater. <laughs> she gave it a five star rating. <laughs> she definitely did. Oh, she paid extra for same day delivery <laughs> while she was ready. <laughs> oh shit, that's hilarious! Oh my gosh, and even worse, she got it sent to the address that she was going to burn down. Oh gosh, that's hilarious! Y'all ready for game edition? I got two questions for y'all. Y'all ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, how old was Christy Jones? How old was Christy Jones? Couchers, you can tune in to this too. How old was? Christy Jones. 27. Timmy say 27. Gersh, what'd you say? 30. Gersh say 30. KT, what you say? I don't know. I'm torn between somebody young and stupid, like 35, and somebody old and senile, like 50. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'm 52. Wait a second. <laughs> Which one you going oh, with? I'm sorry, Mike. I meant 52. <laughs> Uh, oh, shit. A little payback for listening too closely to my story. <laughs> too close. A woman we should be happy at guys listening to her. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> that's true. A change of pace. Yeah, you write about that. All right. Oh, uh, that was good. Timmy say 27. Gersh, you said 30, right? Yep. Okay. Uh KT, what you going with? 52. <laughs> 52. All right. None of you are correct. Christy Jones was 49. So, Miss KT, you was the closest. If you were to stick with it, you had to be older or something. Like, uh huh. So too much. Right. All right. Last question How much damage did she do to the home, the wrong home she burnt up? How much? How much? How much damage did she do to the home? Dollar amount. How much? Timmy, what do you say? So, the. the Above ground pool, maybe like three hundred dollars. Okay, damn it. <laughs> uh, That's a Walmart pool, right? I was saying, boy, were you at Walmart? Something like that. I've seen a couple in the hood. Day, I know that's where they got it. Um, well, I say three hundred dollars worth of damage. They can fix it. Um, and then I feel like she probably failed at uh, actually burning the house. Um, so I'm gonna say. It's probably still got to be something high, so like eight grand. Eight grand. All right. Eight grand from Timmy. Gersh, what do you think? Oh, for the house and the pool. I'm going to go. She did uh, $130,000. All right. All right. $130,000. Miss KT, where are you going? I'm going to split the difference a little bit. I'm going to say about $75,000 worth of damage. All right. None of you are correct. If we got to do closest, Timmy, you were the closest at $20,000 in damage. So it sounded like she didn't mess up nothing but the garden hose and the pool. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Yard holes in the pool. That's it. Yeah. Twenty thousand. Just kidding. <laughs> the back wall in the kitchen. You know, kitchen uh-huh. kitchens cost a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit, that's hilarious! Oh my gosh, Gersh, man! Hey, thanks for coming to the show, man. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. It's been a blast, man. I uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share my story, but also you know some heavier subjects. Yeah, man. You know, I appreciate appreciate you being here. I know we I know we have fun. Uh, a lot of useful information. Definitely uh, some of the coping skills and um, giving yourself time to grieve and but get out of it and then that happy place, man. Got to find that happy place to help yourself out man that's right. good info man give out to uh social medias and tell them one more time where they can find the book uh they can find it on amazon even if you go to my website uh www.themagicoflife.org uh you can find a link there you can find all my links to uh facebook uh on instagram it's uh, g-e-r-s-h-e-p-i-x because uh, i started just for photography on that one um uh, on Facebook, you know, Michael Gersh, you can find me on that one, G-E-R-S-H-E. And, uh, yeah, come come stalk me. It's fine. I'll be back at the Funny Stop, actually, October 13th and 14th with uh, Greg Morton, actually. Hey! Me, all right. Me and Greg will be back. So come check out the show. Check out Sean's Funny Shows uh, coming up this weekend, too. Yeah, man. I'll be out and around. Miss KT, uh, Miss KT underscore comedy on TikTok. Any other ones you want to give up? Nope, you know, I don't even know that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know it. I'm so used to saying it, so, you know, I know it now. Like, it's my own. <laughs> uh, my uh, social medias, you can find me on Facebook under Sean Boyd. If you're not from Ohio, put in Sean Boyd, Ohio. It'll be a picture of me and Lil Mama. Uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's SB Comedy. TikTok is SB Comedy 1. You can find me uh, in Maslin this Friday, 8 and 10 o'clock shows at Crackpots Comedy Club, Maslin, Ohio, 14 Leaking Way. But you can reach out to the podcast as well at Just Therapy, the podcast on Facebook. You can also email us with your hate mail questions or concerns at uh, JustTherapyPod at gmail.com. So make sure you check us out. Uh, but once again, it is that time of the show where we give you the close, something you can ponder on until the next time you see us on Redline Media LLC. Is that right? Or Redline Radio Media? Redline Media LLC. What the fuck is it? Redline Media Group. Okay. Redline Media Group on YouTube. They changed it. But Redline Radio LLC on all other social media platforms. Uh, Or until the next time you hear us again on Spotify under Just Therapy. Make sure you check out the old episodes. But here is your close. I'm going to let Gersh and KT break it down. And of course, you know how I do. It is fitting with what we talked about today. So here's your close. Something you can ponder on. Until the next time. Trauma teaches you to close your heart and armor up. But healing teaches you to open your heart and boundary up. I thought that was fitting for what we were talking about today. One more time. Trauma teaches you to close your heart and armor up. But healing teaches you to open your heart and boundary up. Who want to break that down first? Gersh, you want to? Uh... Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just 
I think with boundary up, you know, to face your fear with it and don't be afraid to um, uh, notice what's going on with your, with your grief and, and your trauma. And when you boundary up with it, I think you um, survive it. All right. All right. Miss KT, how you go break that down? Um, I just feel like in this life, right, you we're always going to have experiences, and many of them you can't control, but you can control how you react to it. So you mm-hmm. want to be able to make sure you are always in a space that allows you to always be your best self, even when you're hurting. You know, you just always want to protect your own peace because at the end of the day, you have to be okay with you. And so just make sure you have boundaries set and ways to release in order to protect your peace. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, Real quick, Nick Jabor said happy birthday, Gers. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Happy birthday, Nick. It's not my birthday, but we do that to each other every time we see each other. Oh, you asshole. (laughs) It's a good inside joke. Nick's birthday is in March. Yeah, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Timmy, good job behind the board as always. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Miss KT, thank you for being back. I'm glad uh, you're feeling a little bit better and got back to work, but uh, we definitely missed you. We missed you, Miss KT. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's good to be back. Tim, I think I missed you more. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's your second one right there. <laughs> we, to the end of the we, can, we can change that. No. Uh, I need something to make me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. Dirk, thanks again for coming to the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Definitely enjoyed having you here, man. Me too. Me too. Oh, shit. Thank you. Thanks, Mike, for all of the advice. I appreciate it. I can't wait to get your book so I can read it. Okay. I already uh, already, uh, sent him the uh, address and your name, so it should be in the mail tomorrow, right? Yeah, I can do that. If not, I'll just go by and pick it up and bring it to you either way. Uh, Miss KT, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, catch me at Crackpots Comedy Club Friday. Other than that, thank you so much. We love you, Couchers. We'll see you next time. God willing. Timmy, send us home, baby. Peace. Man, this be dope. Make a motherfucker want to rap. I can't rap, man. Hold on. Here we go. I can't rap. I really can't. But come sit down on the couch with us. Man, I can't rap. Come to the couch. Enjoy the show. Let's go.